Hi, guys. Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another great day of an interview because today I have got Monk Coleman with me. Monk um, is a man, he's a fellow traveler, really, and he's also a divine spark. And when I heard this description, I thought I had, I had to laugh to myself because bottom line is that it is, I think, I think, the more we all have gone through darkness, the more we recognize how beautiful even that glimmer of light is, that we can be in the life of others. And I certainly, those people who came into my life when my darkness was at its greatest, ah, it was such a beautiful thing, that hope to come into my life. And so therefore, I think Monk and I are both uh, bringers of hope, and I think, therefore, I'm, I'm really excited of this, this discussion, this interview, to just show you guys that it is not as dark as you think. And let's explore, well, our uh, darkness. Monk, you and me, we are on, we are in the hot seat today. So welcome to my show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to get into this discussion. <laughs> I listened to your podcast, some, some of your podcasts already. And everything you talk about is, is right down my alley. You know, it's, it's, it's everything, even the guests that you've had on that I've listened to, it's just like, it's a common theme going on. And it really has to do with healing. So I'm, I'm so excited to uh, be here with you today. Thank you. And it is hard for us because certainly when I, uh, when I was in my darkest, I would have never dreamt about openly talking about my trauma, talking about my youth, my the poverty in my life. The uh, the I would have been ashamed. I would have been, you know, I was brought up with this this kind of everything has to look good from the outside, regardless how broken it is on the inside. The stoic kind of behavior of myself, as well as the picture that we portray as a family towards the outside. Hindsight makes me vomit. But that was that was the belief system I got brought up with. Uh, how was how was your youth? I mean, how did it work out for you? Well, we never had to live up to an image. We couldn't live up to the image. Um, we were poor, and we looked poor, and we right. acted poor. Right. Uh, there were seven of us, and there was no male in the house ever at right. any time. Right. My father passed away when I was about three three and a half, and then my mom still had kids with other people, but there was never a man in the house ever. So I didn't think that affected me, but going forward, when I started to become an adult, I realized it did. So there was no hiding our poverty. You know what I'm saying? Some people can get away with it. There was no hiding the dysfunction because you know we were always fighting and, and acting, acting up and misbehaving. We were just really, we were, we were looking for something that wasn't there mm -hmm. and not getting it, we started to act out. Mm -hmm. When did that start, that acting out? Oh, man. I started doing stuff about five years old. Mm -hmm. I started at literally stealing from stores, uh, stealing from just in general, uh, uh, fighting, um, doing things like that. I tried at six years old, I, I pulled a knife on my brother, my older brother, he was messing with me. And uh, I, I literally said, if you, you keep messing with me, I'm gonna stab you. And this is at a very young age. I had a friend that we used to run around and get in trouble together. I used to pick up cigarettes off the ground and smoke them and light them. So at that point, uh, very young, I was already getting into a lot of trouble. And it stopped when I got old enough to know what heaven and hell was the story that was given to me because our mother took us to church all the time. So, you know, I would get in trouble as a, a young child misbehaving. And then I got to the point where I understood the concept of heaven and hell. And it was terrifying. It was frightening. So I really started to change my ways out of fear. And if you do anything out of fear, it's not going to be a, a good result, period. I don't care what it is. Mm -hmm. If it's a fearful decision, it's not going to turn out well for you. So that's what happened. And I started to act better for a while, for years, actually, until I got to my late teens. And then uh, I played out the other part of my programming, which was the dysfunction. 
<laughs> Nicely said, isn't it? Nicely said. Uh, you could, of course, say that that the initial uh, playing out or the initial uh, acting out was not acting out. It was surviving. It was you trying to do the best to that you could under those circumstances, regardless of what the consequences are for a dad, um, if you did what you did. And it's it's interesting that the church came to the rescue but it was more the way you describe it it was more the the principle of heaven and hell uh that gave you the thing so it was not the church as a group that showed you role models it was not the the, the church uh as showing you community as a way out no no not at all so from day one we were taken to church uh -huh. so i just wasn't I wasn't grown enough to understand the concepts of what they were saying yeah. until I got a little bit older. So yeah. until that time happened, I was just acting up. And then that fear-based teaching kicked in and I was like, oh, I don't want to go there. That's, that's not a good place. So maybe I should do something different because the things I'm doing now is going to send me there. Mm. And I, I, I was fully invested in drinking the Kool-Aid <laughs> right trying to help other people trying to help other people to save them yeah from what was going to happen to them if they didn't act right yeah super judgmental right the whole thing looking at people like they're less than basically because they're not <laughs> believing what i'm believing right trying to get them to change by fear-based tactics that was given to me oh priceless oh priceless you know what I'm saying? it's just uh, like i was I was brainwashed and I was trying now to put this brainwashing on other people and try to scare them into saving them, trying to do something good with this uh, brainwashing that was given me. So what happened was, I'm gonna tell you what happened. When I got about 17, some of the rules I was told to go by, my hormones, put it like this, my hormones were kicking in, right? This was a very strict church as far as rules go. You can't have relationships like that until you're married. And at that point, my hormones are going crazy. I'm not living at home anymore either. I left in high school and moved out in high school. So now I'm, I'm basically an adult going to high school out of the area. All this physical stuff is going on. And I was just like, I can't do this. Not this rule. I can't do this rule. Huh. Right. And then I was like, basically, I was like, well, if I'm going to go to hell because I'm breaking this major rule, why not break all the rules? <laughs> I was waiting right. for that. Yeah, might as well go all out. <laughs> right. If I'm going to go, I'm going to go on my own terms. That's what I'm thinking. Right? So from the age of 17, yeah. when I was in church, by the age of no later than 19, I was selling crack cocaine, drinking heavily, and, and being very promiscuous and being violent. From that 17 years old to 19 years old, it went from one program to another program. And I'm gonna give you a little backstory on my mom and my dad. My dad had an issue with drugs, alcohol, used to sell drugs and was violent. My mom, she had uh, kids by different men and never had a long-term as far as relationship with a man in the house. I played out both of them roles to the T. Mm. A bunch of children by a bunch of different women became violent, sold drugs, had an addiction problem. And that lasted for about 20 years, the addiction problem and just living that type of lifestyle. Mm. Now, at the deepest level, we all get messages. We all, we have intuition. We know what's, what is us or what we think is us and what we think is not us. And I really, truly believe when you're acting and if you're misaligned, if you're not acting in alignment, hmm. there's going to be something inside you that says what you're doing, that is not you. Even hmm. though you're doing it consciously because of, for whatever reason, you want love, you want acceptance, hmm. Hmm. whatever the case may be. But deep down, you're like, this, what I'm doing is not me. I was sitting outside of a house one night and we were getting ready to go in and take what was there. But there was people there, but there was too many people there. But at that time, we were outside this house. Someone asked me, well, I want to be the gunman, right? I knew this wasn't me, but guess what I said? 
Yes. So I, now I'm holding this Tech 9 in my hand with a big old clip. And we're getting ready to go in this, these people's house where these people actually in the building. And even though I didn't want to do it, I was going to do it. And who knows how that would have turned out, right? We could have went in there. They could have just laid down and gave up whatever they had. Mm-hmm. Or they could have fought back and I could have killed some people. I was putting myself in these dangerous situations. I was putting myself in this life and death, uh, taking penitentiary chances, doing these things that I knew wasn't me just to gain some type of acceptance or some type of fake love that I never received. I was about to ask you, what did it give you? Was that, were the people that you were in the car with, were they like brothers to you? Was there that kind of feeling or was that, was it a sort of, a, a, sort of a, a, a peer pressure or was it actually? It, it, it was the image that people had of me. I had to live up to that. Huh. Right. So if people That's, thought, well, yeah. this is a, this is a bad MF or right here, right. When it's time to do, put in work, you got to prove that whatever they think of you is true. But what did it, what did it give you? So you it put that. Like, it was, it was like acceptance and community. Right. If you're living in a, in a in the criminal element, there's really not, not a lot of loyalty, right? If someone gets popped and goes to, to, to prison and they 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 tell on each other all the time, right? Right. Uh, your own people will turn around and rob you. Your own people will turn around and set you up. <sighs> well, there's no honor in thieves, right? But at the time, you think you have this solid relationship with these people, but in a heartbeat, it can change and you can be in a trunk. Mm. Right. You'd be getting killed. It happens all the time. You think you have a friend and they set you up and rob you and kill you. Mm. So in, in that type of that, that type of energy, that type of frequency that you're working with, and I call it the basement. <laughs> all the people you come in contact with, they got your same energy. Right. Mm. All the things you do, it has that same energy. The addiction, uh, the, the random uh, sex the violence, the dysfunctional relationships, all these things are in the basement. And you can't, you can't get what you are not. You can't get out of this basement and say, I want a better uh, relationship. I want a better this or a better that if you're not a match to that. You're only going to get what you're a match to. So if you're vibing at a certain, at a certain uh, frequency, then you're going to get what, whatever you're vibing with, right? So that's why you don't see people that want to heal communities hanging out with people that want to tear communities down. They're not on the same frequency. They cannot coexist. That's like oil and water. So you're only going to get, if you're oil, you're going to get oil. If you're water, you're going to get water. So we all want different things, but we're not a match to those things. I want a relationship that's healthy and this and that and the other. When we're not healthy, this or that, we're still traumatized. We're, we still need to heal. How is that going to show up for us? Hmm. I used to have relationship after relationship and blame it on the other person, of course. Even though <laughs> yeah, it, of, course, of course, of course. Of course, of course it is. Because that's what people in that frequency do. Uh, it's never, they never take accountability. And that was one of them. So I have this relationship. Oh, she's tripping. It's her fault. So someone else comes in. Different name, same relationship. I'm the only common denominator here. I'm the only person that's everywhere, everywhere I go and whatever I do, I'm the only one that's there. It's nobody else's fault that I'm in this relationship. It's nobody else's fault that this relationship is going bad. Yes, it is a dance. Yes, it's an agreed on um, uh, a relationship, right? Your energy and my energy, we accepted each other at one point to get whatever we needed to get. And if we don't get it, we're going to get it again and again and again. The same, a different person, different person, same, same, same person, different name, I like to say. Hmm. You're not going to get something better if you're still in the same place. It's just going to change for you, right? It's going to go from one thing to the next. And this is what I was doing for 20 years. On top of that, sinking farther and farther into alcoholism, not thinking I was an alcoholic because everybody I knew was doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right? We used to get boxes of 40 ounce uh, beers, boxes, cases of it. 
and we just sit out on the block and just crack one after the other. I mean, drinking them all night mm. to the next morning while we smoking weed and doing our thing, not thinking I had a problem. As I got a little bit older, it kind of, everything kind of switched up for me. I stopped to stop dealing with the hard drugs and things like that. And I started just um, moving cannabis. That's what I was doing. And I was almost turned into like a party guy now. I wasn't getting involved in anything violent. I was at the clubs doing that thing, right? Everything switched up. I thought I was doing better because I switched up from malt liquor to regular beer and, and tequila now, right? Now I'm better than the people out here drinking malt liquor because people that drink malt liquor, but those, <laughs> those are the real addicts. You see, <laughs> right. <laughs> we, call, we used to call the malt liquor dope fiend beer, right? This is what addicts drink, like two eleven, and you know all these drinks. If you're a sophisticated drunk like me, yeah, you drink the the, the micro brews, and you drink the the you know the stuff that 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 alcoholics really don't drink. It's perfectly spoken, isn't it? It's perfectly spoken to high-functioning alcoholics. See, oh yeah, no, you're not an alcoholic. You just like to drink. Oh, exactly. I'm I'm social. I, I I've got a very social life. Yeah, that's right. Nine o'clock in the morning, very social life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So this this is where this is where I was going. Right. So and and at the same time, I was still in the gym because I was very ego driven. Yeah. So if you looked at me from the outside, I, I still had a nice, I had a nice body. If you, from the, you know, from the outside, I, I can't say I was healthy because I wasn't, <laughs> I was eating bad and drinking, but I was doing whatever it took to still maintain that image um, going forward. But everything in my life, it, it, I mean, it's when you drink, you know, you suppress. And when you suppress the, the pressure builds up and eventually it's going to express itself either in your body or your relationships. It has to, to be expressed mm. at some point. Because every time you drink, it pushes down that lower self and you experience that high self. Now that high self that we experience, that's part of us. We just don't know how to get there without alcohol or drugs. It's always been there. And when we experience that, that no worry, no shame, no guilt place, it's beautiful. It was a false sense of presence for me. I didn't have any worries. What changed? Well, what that, was the catalyst? Well, that night, well, first of all, I mean, I used to be so hungover where I would shake the next day. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I can remember right, that. Just like, just like, like uh, what am I doing? Uh -huh. Right? So the, the catalyst was, and I talk about this in every interview because it was the, it was the main thing that happened to me that changed all this around. I went to Miami for a vacation in Miami. What do you do in Miami? You party. So I get there that night, drink till the next morning, maybe six, seven, we watched the sun come up. And then I laid down and I got up a few hours later to go to the bathroom when I was peeing blood. So this, I'm already, now keep in mind, I'm already anxious. I'm already having anxiety problems. I've had a couple, had a couple of anxiety attacks. I'm already depressed. And I, and I don't think, what am I doing here? When you get in your late thirties and you tried everything, you're like, what is, what am I doing here? This is, it's like, I have no reason even to be here. What is my purpose on this planet? I, I thought I got everything that I wanted, but how come I still feel empty and hollow? What's going on? So now this is the last thing that I needed on top of what I was going through. So for the whole week, I didn't drink there, right? So I come back home to the Bay Area. I live in the Bay Area. And I said, oh, I should be good now. And I started back up drinking. Same thing, same thing, same thing. And I just had had my last daughter. Um, she's about to be uh, 14 in April, but I have an older son too, it's about to be 30. But I just had my last daughter and um, I just had to ask myself the, the real question, like, do you wanna be here or not? Because this is it. Like, dude, if you don't do, if you continue, you 100% sure will not be here. So what is, what is it gonna be? Are you gonna check in? Are you gonna check out? Those are your only two options. This is it. So what I did one night after a party, and this is the only reason why I know, I'm not good with dates, like when I start something, I just know because it was a someone that I know's birthday. So after that birthday party, I got up, hung over again, and I'm just like, I wanna live. 
that's it. I'm not doing this no more. And that's what started my journey to self-discovery and healing. Mm. When was that? How many years ago was that now? Uh, I, uh, this year, well, in August of next year, it'll be 14 years. Beautiful. Wow. Who, I mean, you, you came to a point where you were sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I know that point well. Having said that, I couldn't act upon it. I was sick and tired of it. I was, at times I had suicidal ideation. At times I felt really, really down. But I still felt I couldn't seek help. So it was really others that had helped me in the sense my wife, behind my back, organized an admission to a rehab clinic. And ultimately she saved my life with that because I wouldn't have had the strength and the clarity in my mind to do the right thing for me. It's mm. only much, much later um, that within, you know, a year, two years down the line, did I see the enormity of what had occurred. And in, in recovery, we say, you know, that the only thing that happens in recovery, that, no, the only thing that changes in recovery is everything. And mm. I didn't realize what that really means. And nowadays I understand it because we, our lives are so different, are so beautiful. But in order to get to this point where I am now, living this life so full and beautiful, I had to have a lot of help. How did you seek help? Or how did, did help find you? You know what? If people don't even believe it. I, I helped myself. No one reached out to me. I didn't reach out to anybody. Um, usually I only smoked when I drank, but I smoked, I drank all the time. So I'd yeah. smoking all the time. Yeah. But when I didn't drink, I usually didn't smoke cigarettes. Right. So I went from drinking and smoking to now just smoking for like a year. And I was very anxious and it was such a big hole in my life, but I knew I had to continue to not do this. You know, just, just doing it. And it's so funny. I have the serenity prayer on my arm right here. Beautiful. So, but, li but listen to the story. This is the crazy story. <laughs> so I got this story as I got the story as an alcoholic. I didn't know it had anything to do with AA. <laughs> right. So I just thought it was a cool, like, yeah, that's a cool little prayer right there. I want, I'm fully in alcoholic at this time. I didn't know it had any association with mm. AA. So after I got it, people were like, oh, you went in the program? I'm like, what program? They said, hey, hey, I was like, what, do I, do I look like a drunk or something? They was like, no, you have the, uh, <laughs> you have the serenity prayer on your arm. Yeah. And they said, they, they use that in AA. And I'm like, shoot, if I knew that, I wouldn't have got it. <laughs> I'm a full-on alcoholic right now. How am I going to have a serenity prayer on my arm? Right? <laughs> look how God works. That saying is so relevant to me now. And I never knew that it had anything to do with recovery. So after about a year of just really going through a hard time and just very depressed and very anxious, meditation came to my awareness, however it came, because I was like, I need to do something. I need to try something. And I looked it up and I just started sitting down every day and just for short periods of time. And I didn't know what it was going to do, but I knew it, 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 it made my day better. I didn't know it was gonna completely rewrite the program that I uh, identified with. Mm. Look, we're all basically blank slates. We can be born with trauma passed down to us, but as far as this earthly experience, we're blank slates. We don't have a belief system at that point, right? We don't know who we are on a physical level. I think we know who we are on a spiritual level on our and what we're supposed to be here to do. Hmm. So now we're given this identity that we identify with. It's not really us, but we claim it because we're told this thing so many times over and over by society, by our parents, by the schools, hmm. whatever it is, they form you and your whole belief system. Hmm. You didn't know you were the color you were till someone had to tell you. I didn't either. You didn't know your name. I didn't know my name. You didn't have a, a political view at all, right? You didn't have a diet. Someone had to give you your diet. 
If they would have gave you a different diet, you would have been, uh, you would have been really resonating with that diet. What if you were born in a different culture? You didn't have a religion until someone gave it to you. So we identify with all these things. And what we do when we identify with all these things is we create boxes and that causes separation. So anything that doesn't go align with my beliefs that were given to me, if you have different ones and we're strong, we feel strongly about our beliefs, this separates you from that person. So think about how many boxes that you create in your life that were given to you. And then how many, th- how many other people that have boxes that don't align with your boxes. Mm. So now you're fighting over things that don't matter. You're fighting over things that were given to you that's not even truly your beliefs. Mm. So the reason why I was acting the way I was acting because my program, what I identified with was not good enough, was poverty, right? Was dysfunctional relationships. Mm. So this is how I started to view everything. And when you identify with that, you manifest that same stuff you start to make it happen because your belief about it is so strong. You create, create these scenarios in your life until you can rewrite that, get that old one out, create a new one with who, with who you really are, unlimited being love, compassion, kindness for yourself, especially because when you grew up in dysfunction, you don't even know how to love yourself. You don't even know what that means. You're not worthy of love. And these experiences that you have when you're growing up, like when you get to old enough where other kids know that you're poor and they cut off relationships with you because now they know you're not worthy of having relationships. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now you, that, that solidifies the belief about yourself already. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy of friends. I'm, being, I'm beneath these other people. So you grow up thinking this. So you don't think you can achieve or do anything outside these certain, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You don't think you can do anything outside of what you are, what you believe in your conscious mind. So you, you say, I got these options. Mm. And these options may only be one, two or three options, mm. not knowing that you have uh, unlimited options. Mm. In your mind, you created these, this, this scenario in the story saying, I can do this, this or this, 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 and this, and this, that's not an option. So maybe it's selling drugs, getting a low paying job, whatever the case may be, you don't even know that you have other options. And then we judge people that that choose the options they are aware of because they chose those options. And most time it's about survival. And I mean, these are core beliefs. The the fact is they run so deep in, in our brain. We are not aware of them. We are not, I mean, most of us are not barely uh, aware of our emotions. Yet emotions drive our actions. But what drives our emotions is core beliefs. And they're, they're so hardwired in us from the experiences that we had at, at such an early time in our life that we take them for granted. And it is working on these core beliefs that is such a, that leads to such fundamental change. And guess what? Your meditation, meditation is one of these ways that you actually shut up everything up there and actually learn to just open up. And guess what? Suddenly core beliefs come to the surface. And you're actually having an interaction with them. And you, you give yourself time to realize what truly drives you. And the moment you, you start to begin to realize that, you then can actually say, well, does that still actually hold true? Or are these, are, are these, yeah, are these completely wrong beliefs that somehow, somewhere were cemented down in my head and when I look at it in reality what a bullshit and how beautiful is that but you need to stop and smell the roses you need to stop jump off the hamster wheel and actually give yourself time to literally do nothing 
So meditation, there's often that, that a misperception that you need to be there sitting in some kind of pretzel pose, have incense wifting around, and, and only then will you get these moments of clarity. Bullshit. Um, for me, meditation is after I've done some sport, after, I, let's say, I swim 2Ks, and, and then I'm just, you know, nicely there, just cooling down afterwards, and my mind is clear. It is absolutely clear. There's not much happening there. For me, that is meditation. For me, that is opening up. Thoughts come, they go, etc. But this is the this is this is where I allow my subconscious to actually come up to these core beliefs to just percolate up, you know, saying hello. And I might say hello. You can stay. Another one comes up, right. hello. And I think, who the hell are you? Right. You, you, you were my core belief when I was 13, honestly. And you you tried to tell me now that I'm the worst, worst possible guy. Hey, hang on. I was 13 then when I said that. You know, it's, oh. So these are the things. So meditation. Guys, don't, don't, don't somehow misconstrue that. Meditation is you giving yourself time to listen to your, to your mind, to your body. And therefore, it's, it's like, like having a chat but just you shut up and actually let, let your brain talk, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's being completely present. And exactly. If you don't know what to do, though, this is the issue. If you don't know what to do, if this has never been introduced to you, if you don't have these, I don't call, I, I don't call them coping, coping mechanisms, I call them growing mechanisms. Beautiful. If you, if you don't know what to do, yeah. How do you eventually get to a place where you can do things to really help you grow and yeah. to change these programs? And this is what I'm here to do. I'm like the bridge to that world where I can go into these places where this is not really an option for people and say, look, this is an option. This stuff really, really works. So the problem is you don't even know you're wet if you're submerged in the ocean. Mm. You think you are the ocean. Right. Only when you can be out of that and then water comes on you, do you know, that's not really you. Mm. So if you're really submerged in this world and these beliefs, mm. you don't know that these beliefs are not you. You have no awareness at all. So you're being and you were talking about the subconscious. The subconscious is running the show. Mm. And that program was created for you. Right. Mm. So how do you know the subconscious since especially if it's dysfunctional, sends dysfunctional thoughts and, and, and options up to your brain because this is what it believes. Mm -hmm. And then you can take it or leave it, but you don't know that. So you just take it. Exactly. And then when you take it, it creates emotion in your body, which then has you making decisions and making moves. It is the emotions that are attached to the thoughts that come through. That's what anxiety attacks are. The thoughts come up, create emotion in your body. Mm. Your breathing starts to be irregular, mm. and then it creates more in your body, and then you're just freaking out because you think you're dying. You're not breathing is what's happening here. Mm. You right? The emotion, the, the, the thought created fear and had you, and that's why they say when you're having any type of anxiety, you're deep breathing. Mm. It starts to settle your nervous system back. Yeah. You're at fight or flight at this point. You're scared to death. Everything's going, and the, the adrenaline's kicking in and everything, You're feeling all these physical things. If you just breathe, everything starts to settle down, right? And if you do this every day, you start to settle down your nervous system on a daily basis. And what also happens with meditation is the stuff that you've been suppressing, oh, that stuff's going to come up. All the scary stuff that you didn't want to deal with is to start coming up. And you can't use alcohol as a crutch anymore. You have no option but to heal in the deal with these things that are coming up. And like I said, the, the, getting back to your true self, which is love, in my opinion, when you get back to that and you connect to that every day and whatever God is to you, right? whatever that is, the higher self, the universe, God, whatever it is to you, and you start connecting to that because God is not outside of you. So when you start connecting to that love inside of you, your outside life starts to reflect that. And everything you do, your career is going to take a, a turn. Everything you do is going to be like, 
love. It's going to be from a loving place. And you're going to find yourself around attracting loving people as well and loving circumstances and opportunities to create change. That saying, be the change that you want to see, the change is love. When you start to love yourself, that creates change. I have people ask me all the time, what do I do to make an impact on the world? Make an impact on yourself. Be who you really are, and you're going to change the world for the better. I guarantee it because the energy that you carry around, the light that you shine wherever you go, is going to impact everybody you come in contact. I would even challenge that thought. I would say, be the person who you truly want to be. Because who do you want to be when you grow up? And it doesn't matter if you're 18 or 80. Who do you want to be? Who is that personality? Who is that that person in you that you truly want to be? And that love, that that vibration, that positiveness, that that serenity, that beautiful, yes, that's me. Who is that person? Is that the person who is screaming murder at his children because they've dropped something on the floor? Or is that is that a different person? So if right now you are not that person, then there is there's some work to be done. That's so I, got a a I got a question for you. Shoot. So a lot of people, they have an idea of who they want to be. Yeah. But they don't know who they are. So this creates type of an issue, right? So who do you want to be? Well, I want to be just powerful. And I want to be the, someone that, that yeah. makes a lot of money. I want to be, that's not who we are. No, you that's absolutely, absolutely. No, no, that's right. And I love what you're saying there. I don't mean it in the sense of what do you want to be? Powerful, rich, um, nebulously, big out there. No, who do I want to be? Do I want to be caring or do I want to be a hard-nosed uh, go-getter that who walks over corpses? Do I want to be a person who has got a smile on their face, a true smile because they're actually in the presence and they're actually enjoying right now sitting here enjoying this this conversation with you? Or do I want to be the guy who is now thinking immediately, ah, oh, God, hopefully that is soon finished. In a, and what do I want to do later kind of a thing? Do I want to live in the moment? Who do I want to be? And that is the, the question that you that I, I hope people ask themselves. Because there's clearly, there's, there is who we are and who we want to be is often a huge disconnect. And the question is, why? Why is that? So It's about alignment. It's about alignment. So yeah. I think in order to even really ask yourself that question to get a real answer, you have to have gone through some a healing process. Mm. I don't think someone that's very uh, working with a lot of trauma still and a lot of things going on in the old program, who they want to be is going to be very superficial probably. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's going to be about survival. Who do you yeah. want to be? Well, I want to be a, somebody that, that does this. Exactly. And you do that in your work. Now you're going to be like, who do I want to be? I want to be caring. I want to be this. I want to be that. Yeah, yeah. You don't have some, some knowledge about who you really are. Hmm. Then you don't know who you want to be. Yep. It's a oh. program that's telling you who you want to be. So a lot of people want to be the biggest drug dealer that's ever walked on this planet. They want to be that. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Like if you ask somebody that's a drug dealer right now and you say, what do you want to be? They'll say, I want to be the best drug dealer out there literally they will tell you that mm -hmm. i've been around these people right i'm that's what i want to be it doesn't matter because they're not aligned with who they are mm -hmm. if you're aligned with who you are whatever you do is going to help to uplift and to connect and bring people together mm -hmm. it's never going to okay. be something that's going to cause death and destruction yeah. and separation okay. i'm sure hitler wanted to be what he became He wanted to be that. If he didn't, he wouldn't have tried so hard and did so many things to be that. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? He uh -huh. didn't know who he was, but he knew who he wanted to be from what he was running on, from yeah. his conditioning, his program. Okay, I, I see where you're coming from and your way of thinking. So how do you flip that around? How do you take someone out of that thinking, 
and bring them towards the love, towards the the vibrations that maybe are better for him and for the world around him. How how do you, if you don't ask who do you want to be, what questions do you ask? Well, if you're not in a place to ask yourself who you want to be, you're going to lie to yourself when, when the answer comes. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So for most people, it takes something really traumatic, something very big to happen in their life yeah. for them to even look a different direction. Yeah. And even question their reality, question their existence. Yeah. You, you hear these stories all the time. I was in a near-death accident, and all of a sudden, it all made sense. Mm. I'm supposed to be here doing this, mm. and I'm doing something different now because I understand it all makes sense now, yeah. right? I had my physical thing. You had someone intervene on your behalf. Usually it takes something for us to start. You weren't even thinking about finding out who you were at that time before you went in. Uh, that's true. That's very and true. I wasn't thinking about anything besides what I can do for myself yeah. at the time that this happened to me. Yeah. Right? This It really is about survival. So when you don't have a, a, a really healthy uh so we're all programmed until we realize that we're not. So even if you, you give somebody love and you say, this is what it's all about, it's about love, this and that to a child, they can get that concept, but they're really gonna have to really discover that for themselves on, on, on an actual experience. They have to experience that. Even though you're giving it to them, they, the, the, the concept makes sense to them, but then one day they're gonna go, aha, I, I realized what you were talking about. But now if your program is super dysfunctional, it's like night and day. Mm. It's going to be harder to make that that connection from this life to like the aha, I realized what this is all about. Because you're not receiving that message. Your message is the opposite of that, mm. right? So you're getting experiences to solidify your belief about aha, life is. Absolutely. Shit. Absolutely, Monk. You're absolutely right. But how do we change that? Because their view is, is yeah. basically a perpetual... Um, perpetual they see they find reasons why their life cannot get better they find reasons why they will never experience true love you're doing it right now you're doing it right now media or social media is getting this word out is key you're doing it right now as we speak it only takes one person to get something from this to change their life then also to change the, their family's lives yeah. and their yeah. kids' lives and their kids' kids' lives. This is what we got to do. It's shining your light. When you do that, I promise yeah. you, I promise you, people are going to ask you, what are you What are you all about? There's yeah. something different yeah. about you. And then you say, well, let me tell you, this happens to me all the time. Hmm. You're making a difference everywhere you go if you're moving with love, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, because they see it and they feel it. That's why I say, if you want to change the world, you be who you really are and truly are. And that's that baby that has no judgment. That's that baby that's full of just consciousness and love. That's all they want. They want love and they want to be loved. That's it in the food. That's it. That's all they want. That's why when you look at a baby in the eyes, you and that baby, if that baby smiles at you, there's no way that you can hold your face without a smile. It's impossible. Because you are experiencing love untainted. God, untainted right now. Mm. Your face is going to have an automatic response to that. And it's going to be a smile. And you can't even help it. I don't care what mood you're in. When this happens to you, you're going to make that connection. And all that is, is that baby's making that connection with you on the deepest level. Yeah. You're that soul. You're connected by the soul with that baby. And that baby sees you and recognizes you. And it's like, I'm giving love to you and you receive it and you recognize it and you give love back to that child. Mm. There's, there's nothing to cause separation at this point. They understand that your form means nothing to them. It's only about your energy that they're connecting to. They don't care if you got one eye, they don't care if you got a crooked nose, they don't care if you're overweight. They don't care anything about that. They're connecting beyond form with you right now. And it brings your whole vibration up when that's, this happens to you. And it's the same way with animals. When you see a puppy or you see a dog and they come up and pet, instantly your vibration starts to change. There's no judgment there. It's unconditional love. That's what pets give to you. That's what babies give to you. That's what we're not lacking. 
And I believe it's so hard for us to learn how to love ourselves. Sometimes we do it indirectly with our kids. So say you don't know how to love yourself, but then you have this baby and you know this baby is part of you. So you can unconditionally love yourself through the baby. You can unconditionally love yourself. The love that you didn't give yourself, you can give it to the baby, which is part of you. And I think that's why you're able to unconditionally love your children, but you can't unconditionally love yourself because you don't feel like you're worthy of it. But you know this child is innocent and they're worthy of it. So I'm going to do it indirectly through my child because they're worthy of it, even though I'm not. And I guess a beautiful thing you've been saying is that you're actually giving something from you. You're giving a smile. And in this case, the baby started off with giving a smile and you can't, you can't say no to it. What was to happen if you do that in your daily life? For example, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of an intimidating dude. Uh, bloody skinhead and and you know it's just I'm a big buy, a big guy um, so I can be grumpy or I can actually smile at someone and an honest smile truly let's say in the, in the supermarket and and just smile in a nice way and and suddenly the, the maybe the checkout girl smiles back and I know I've made a difference I've made that thing so to actually to say I'm powerless, no. Yes, you have got your background. Yes, you have got your past. But every second you have got a choice to make. You can respond in certain ways to those things that happen to you. Or if nothing has happened to you, you can start, initiate the the chain reaction by being positive, by going out there and acknowledging a person who is not well off um, with a smile. And if you want to give some money to them, that's cool. But just a smile and, and a human interaction and a recognition is such a beautiful thing. And you have no idea how much a little tiny gesture can make the world to someone. That phone call that you make to someone who... Uh, I don't know. I sometimes had that feeling and I, I, I thought I really ought to call this person. And it turned out that in one case, I literally saved a life yes. because this person needed to hear that there is someone out there to care. And I didn't even we didn't even talk about anything important. It was just, hey, how are you doing? Kind of a thing. But the sheer fact that I took that step of actually breaking through their wall and, and shining some light in there, being the light the spark that made such a huge difference in that life, in that moment. And that I always is the, say one, one smile, one smile to a stranger can save their life. Isn't it? They can, yeah, they can be out that day and just thinking about ending their life and like people, people suck and there ain't no good people out mm -hmm. here. And you, you might hold the door for somebody and smile at them. And then it's like, you know what? There are good people out here. There are mm -hmm. people that care. And in my book, I talk about random acts of kindness. Mm. It's like, we are here to serve, not only others, but ourselves, right? We're here to, here to heal, mm. self-realize, and help others in their journeys as well. So whatever we're, we do for work is our work. Sometimes it's part of our, our purpose, sometimes it's not. But at the very least, whatever you do is going to be even if it's indirectly, it's going to be part of your purpose. Hmm. So say my purpose here is the, uh, a finance guy and I make a lot of money. So that's not my purpose, but my purpose is to take that money and help the community. My purpose is to take that money hmm. and build health and wellness centers hmm. and teach people that are in poverty how to manage money or whatever the case may be, right? The purpose is never money. But it, it might be indirectly money, but your purpose is bigger than that. Hmm. So if you make money just to have money, that's not your purpose. But if your purpose is to create money to give back, to help others, now you know you're on the right track. Because money is just a tool just like anything else. You can use it for bad, you can use it for selfish reasons, or you can use it for good. But how are you going to use this tool? And I used to think money was bad. When I got on this, this whole thing, right? No, I used to really, when I, when I, when I, 
I wouldn't accept anything from anybody. I got on this kick about when I would give to the homeless and I would just, me and the homeless people had our own relationships. Like I would see certain people at certain times when I was out and about and we would just like have this relationship. And they would, you know, people would ask me if I want something. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want nothing. I'm Because I felt like if I didn't, if I received it, it, it wouldn't be authentic. It wouldn't be from the heart. But you, you know what I realized? And I call it the love loop. If I don't take what they're trying to give me from their heart, I'm breaking this cycle of giving and receiving. They want to give me something because they appreciate and love me. And I'm telling them, no. It's not, yeah. You see what I'm saying? So I'm breaking the loop. So if I'm giving, 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 when someone says, you know what? I really want to do this for you. Hmm. I'm going to go, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And then this whole loop just keeps going, hmm. keeps going. But me thinking I'm being inauthentic, I'm not taking anything from anybody. Because in my mind, I'm like, if I'm taking something from somebody, then I'm not doing it for the right reasons. Hmm. Even though I was doing it for the right reasons. But what I was doing was blocking their blessings. When, when people do good things for you, you just want to do good things for them. That's what you want to do. It makes you feel good. I would rather give than receive. It makes me feel good. But so would other people. Other people want to give as well. But you're not letting them do that. I've tried to give people stuff before and they was like, no, I don't, I'm good. Even though it seemed in my mind like they really needed it. But it makes you feel a certain way when you like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go bless this person. I just want to help this person. So I'm going to go do that. And they go, no, no. And they shut you down. How does that make you feel? Hmm. It makes you feel a certain way. Like, dang, I was just trying to help. You know, that hurts. You know? But uh, yeah, I was, I was cutting their blessing off, which was cutting my blessing off. But we have to, it's giving and receiving. We're here to give and we're here to receive. It's all one process. You got to understand, think about all, every time you've given and, and received anything, it's all one thing. Huh. It's two sides to, it's, it's, it's the same coin. It's two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. Hmm. One has to be a giver and one has to be a receiver. You can't have one without the other. It is exactly the same thing. Just different people are receiving and different people are giving. But this whole love loop is one thing. And when we realize that, we will never say no to anything unless we don't want it. I mean, unless we really don't want it, right? It'd be like if a, if a, if a little girl came up and tried to hand you a daisy and you, you don't like daisies, <laughs> you're going to take that daisy and you're going to say thank you and it's going to mean a lot to you. Of course. Right? Because that's a loving gesture she is showing you right now. Mm. And you're going to take that. Well, anytime someone tries to give you something, unless it's BS, right? You don't want to give me the BS. I ain't going to take it. Anytime someone's trying to give you a gift to you something that's beautiful, that comes from their heart, no matter what it is, you take it that way. You receive it. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn. Again, you are taking action. You're taking action by mindfully shutting up and saying thank you. You are actually not thinking about yourself. You're you're actually accepting this as as a, a beautiful vibration in your life, and that is a, a very willful, a very mindful thing to do. It is. It doesn't matter if you like a gift or not. Someone has actually went out of their way to to give you a gift, and that is beautiful. We sometimes you need to check this out. No matter what it is. I still get that feeling though. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's a piece of cardboard. If you gave uh -huh. it to me and from uh -huh. the heart, yep. I receive it and I feel it. It doesn't Good. matter what it is. I'll put that cardboard in my car just to remind me of this mm. gift. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm. It's how are you receiving this gift? How are you, how are you receiving this love? Mm. Are, you, are you looking at it as something that's a physical thing? Or are you looking at it deeper than that? Absolutely. Like, Like what was what were their intentions when they tried to give you? They tried to make your day. They tried to make you happy. They tried to share this love with you. And even though it's a piece of cardboard that really doesn't mean nothing, it means a lot. And that's why little gestures like that can mean so much. That's why people save little bottle caps and things like that that someone had given them because they did it from a loving place. It's not about what it is in the physical world. It's about what it is beyond that. It's that love thing again. Oh, Monk. Uh, you're, you have got a beautiful, beautiful um, way of looking at the world. And I think that 
is it is so beautiful because you have been in the darkness for a long time but you have you have started to heal and i think that was beautiful but it is now many many years down the line and i i dare to say that your healing happened in in bouts you healed a little bit there and mm. then you thought, hey, I'm all done. And then suddenly you take another band off, band aid off, and you think, okay, there's still a lot of pus in there. Um, so it is, uh, I guess the story is a never ending story, which in its own right is beautiful because you get to reinvent yourself. You get to look at, at your core beliefs again and again. Are they still helping you? Do they still suit you? Uh, or is it time to actually? re-look at your situation and think well actually um even although i have already transformed i have already healed i thought i did all the work it's maybe now time to to look at something else in your life that needs addressing and healing is you... always, healing's mm -hmm. an ongoing process it never stops yeah. it never stops and if you want to grow and expand mm -hmm. that never stops either you can choose to be stagnant. You can choose to stop your growth. Mm. But once I started meditating, I never stopped. And meditation, it always brings a level of uh, self-awareness and see and, and finding things that you need to, it's like spring cleaning. You think your house is clean, then you move the couch and you sweep under it and you go, okay, I still have some more stuff to clean up, right? So what yep. it does for you, right? What it does for you is it keeps you in the present moment mm. for most of your day. So when you have these thoughts and these judgments that come through, you don't, you don't attach to them. You're aware of them. Mm. They're gonna come no matter what. Mm. And you aware of them, you, boom, you have the option of letting them go. So connecting to that every day was such a big thing for me. Mm. I never stopped. I've been doing this for years and years and years and years, having like Kundalini awakenings and just crazy stuff that energy just rushing out of my body, having rashes on my body because all the stuff that I was healing from was starting to come out of my skin. <laughs> all the suppressed and repressed emotions started to come up. And like I said, they're gonna show up physically. Mm. They're gonna really show up. So when you have a bunch of stuff that's been packed in there for so long and it starts to come up, things are gonna happen, mm. right? So the healing journey never ends. You are, you're just becoming more of who you truly are on a regular basis if you choose to do the things to, to, to take you there. We're never, we're never done. And the more, you, the more work you put in, the more beautiful it is. The, the more clarity you have, the more peace you have, the more joy you have, the more purpose is shown to you. You're only gonna get what you're ready for. And if you're not ready to do certain things, well, those, those opportunities are not going to come. Hmm. I was so insecure before I spoke my first time. I was so insecure in high school because of my story. My story was I was this, 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 and this, right? Hmm. My teacher said, if you don't stand up and read this in front of the class, you're going to fail. Because I wasn't a good student already, and this was like 50% of the grade. And I got up there, and I read it in front of the class. I was 16 years old. I'm about to be 52 years old right now. 16 years old. And I was, my whole face was shaking. Everybody, it seemed like everybody's eyeballs were burning a hole in me. And it was only about two minutes I had to be up there. And when I sat down, I said, I'm never doing that again. I'd rather fail a class than to do that because I was so insecure, right? Mm -hmm. Fast forward 30, 40, 30 something years. I do a, 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 a Facebook live on sobriety, yeah. right? And I was so nervous to even do it on a, on, a, on a phone, right? And I can hang up whenever I want. It's not like there's a crowd there and I can just, it's like I can make the crowd go whenever I want. Like if I don't want to be there, I just click, crowd's gone, right? <laughs> Everybody's gone. So I was still super nervous. I had to leave the house to do it. I left the house and went to the park. I had to get out of that home environment hmm. and I did it. And so many people resonated with my message because at that time I was eight years sober. So that was hmm. like six years ago. And then what happened from that is someone gave me a direct message and, and they're from LA and they said, I want you to come to my house and speak and I want, and I want to pay you for it. So from stepping through that fearful place about doing a video on, mm. on my phone, mm. this woman goes, I want you to speak in my house and I want to pay you for it. Before I can talk myself out of it, I told her yes. 
Beautiful. So now this is set up. So I go down to LA to this woman who's never been to this woman's house before. She just happens to be the wife of the lead singer from the band War. You know War? Why can't we be friends? Yeah. Yeah, that band. So she's the wife of the husband of that lead singer of that band. <laughs> so I go down there. I'm in the pool. With, no, I don't know any people down there. And I speak for the first time in front of people. And from that moment on, doors just started opening for me to run my mouth. Like I stepped through that insecurity. My mm. program is being rewritten. Not only am I not afraid to get up in front of people, it's part of my purpose to get up in front mm. of people. Nice. So a lot of times, most of the things we are so frightened of is because we have superpowers in that area. Yeah. We're scared of our own greatness. So we get in our way because we don't truly believe this is who we are. So we kind of sabotage ourselves, right? And then when you get that out of the way, now you're making this real connection and you start to get guided by, like I say every time, God, universe, source, whatever you want. You start to get this intuition. You start to get guided and, mm. and get, get guided to people and situations that open up the doors for you and opportunities because you're living mm. your purpose and you're shining your light. And wherever you need to be, you're going to have access to that. So you got to stay open and stay bright, stay shining, and then the opportunities will come to you. And that's why we're talking today. They come, you get up here, you tell your story, you do it with love, you do it, you do it in with authenticity, and you just shine that light wherever you go. So any interview that I come to, there's never any inter like nervousness or whatever. I'm no, I'm being guided to this interview. Why should I be nervous about an interview? Why should I be nervous about standing in front of people? It's not about me, it's about them. When you take the focus off of yourself and you put it on the people you're supposed to help. You're not nervous anymore. How beautiful is that? And that is that is the crux of it. Once you started moving into the right direction, you get really truly thirsty for that change because you feel how good it feels. You you know that speaking out is initially my God, the anxiety and the, the imposter syndrome and all those kind of things. Who are you to tell your story? That kind of bullshit core belief. Um, it is uh, awful. And then when you actually start speaking out, the very first thing you probably will realize is there are no repercussions. On the contrary, people say, thank you so much for sharing your story. Right. And you think, wow, they thanked me? What? Why is that? And you realize that you have become the light in their darkness. And that is such a beautiful position to be. And you don't have to be perfect. I'm perfectly imperfect, rest assured. I still have got, huh, where to start? Oh, for Christ's sake. We can do a whole interview on those <laughs> things where I'm not perfect. So, okay. <laughs> so, no, 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 no. Let's not go there. Dear. Don't want to waste your time. Uh, but... The reality is there is so much more work to do for me, but I am I'm I'm honored and I'm humbled that I now can see that this transformation is ongoing, that I will have the everyday new choices to make. And I'll try to make them in such a way that I that my light shines brighter. That's why I'm sitting here with you, Monk, and, and it's beautiful. And I'm, I'm incredibly honored that you, you came onto my show and actually speak about your experience. And every single word you said is gold. Everything is actually beautifully important and, and, and clear the way you described it. If people love what they hear about you, first of all, your book, where, we can, can, where can we get your book? Yeah, you, you, can, get on, you can get it on Amazon right now. Yeah. There you go. You can cool. Get it, yeah, there. You get it on Amazon right yeah. now. And you, also, you can uh, message me directly and I can send you a signed copy. Oh, uh, beautiful. So we're going to start putting it up on my website. It's not there yet, but you can find all my social medias up there. It's monketernal.com. M-O-N-K-E-T-E-R-N-A-L. Monketernal.com. And you can find me on there. And you can just give me a direct message and I'll send you one with an autographed copy. And I, this book, I made myself a bit available. I wasn't planning on it. And I write about that in the book, how it happened. But it just came. It just came. I wrote down these 10 things and I just said, 
this is what I need to do. Um, I seen a video said, what do you give your audience when you speak? I said, my words, my love, my energy. But when they go home on Monday, they forget all of that. So what can I give them that's tangible to give them reminders that who they are and the love that they are? So I created a book. So when I do my speaking stuff, I can take books and I can hand them out to people. And guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of podcast. We've got all of Monk's uh, details in there. So very easy to click on or copy and paste. And whilst you're down there, press the subscribe button. And whilst you're down there, you might as well think, wow, okay, this was a pretty cool interview. So find one person in your tribe and say to that person, hey, that was a really good interview. Why don't you have a listen to it? And maybe you become the bringer of light. You maybe you become the divine spark that lights up their life by just actually speaking up and by being out there and and doing the wonderful, wonderful things that that changes lives. And these wonderful things, they are not major things. They are that smile. They are that phone call. They are that, hey, I've heard this really cool thing. Maybe there's something you want to listen to. That can be the message that they need to hear for their life to change forever. How powerful is that? How beautiful is that? So, Monk, thank you so much for coming on to my show. I'm really, really grateful. Um, as with all of my, my guests, you have changed the way I look at things. You have questioned or you made me question how I look at certain things. And for that, I have grown. And for that, I'm incredibly grateful. So, Monk, Thank you so much for having me on. I, you know, every time we have a, anybody has a conversation with each other, hmm. you have grown. Hmm. You're, you're always the learner. You're always a student and the teacher. Always the student and the teacher. So you have taught me things. I might, may have taught you things. But it's, it's, hmm. the, it's, it's the connection of the minds, connection <laughs> of the hearts, right? From here to here. From here to here is joining with you from here to here. And then we learn from each other. And that's how we do it. When we move with this energy, we affect everyone that we come in contact with. And when you have two people moving in that same energy, it's powerful. It's and nice. I just know that, that your show is going to continue to help people. Not You can't change anybody, but you can give them that, oh, never thought about it like that. Let me do some investigation on that. Let me go deeper on mm -hmm. that. Let me question my own reality. So I appreciate you. No, very much so. Monk, thank you very much. And you guys out there, look after yourself. Stay strong. Honestly, I believe in you guys. There is hope. And it's okay not to be okay. But seek out help and look forward to the change that will come. Look after yourself. Bye. Dream on.